What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We are two writers who started with San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers for four seasons now, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live. And this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys. Well, it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. That means it's crossover Wednesday. So today we are joined by Locked On Vikings to get into this weekend's matchup and to tell you what's going to decide the game this weekend. But we're going to start with some news. We have the two highest graded players from Pro Football Focus last week. Two old guys on the list this week. So we'll talk about that first and then get into Michael Davis coming back from his two-game suspension and how Brandon Faison filled in for him while he was gone. So let's go ahead and get started, guys. This is your Locked On Chargers lead story. I'm Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer. Pro Football Focus came out with its weekly grades, and the two highest-graded Chargers this week happened to be the two oldest Chargers on the team. Thomas Davis and Phillip Rivers brought home the honors this week. Thomas Davis barely edged out Joey Bosa, who had two sacks in the game and had a very good game as well. But Thomas Davis, after the linebacking core has been pretty soft so far this season, came back on Sunday and it really helped the Chargers, especially against the run. But he had an 88.2 grade, which was top 10 for linebackers, run defense and tackling. So that's awesome to see from Thomas Davis and Phillip Rivers gets the big bounce back game that we all needed to see for him go 16 of 22 for 314 yards and three touchdowns. Most importantly, zero interceptions, but his 89.1 grade was also second in the entire NFL last weekend as well. So David, two old guys representing on this list and for the Chargers to see their quarterback look more like what they thought he would look like this year and their linebacker who was their prized addition in the offseason has to be a good sign for the Chargers. No question about it, and it's funny because in the press conference, Anthony Lynn basically said that Thomas Davis helped him devise a play that Philip Rivers would throw to Hunter Henry and score a touchdown on. So I wonder if Pro Football Focus got wind of that and said, "Hey, we gotta give Thomas Davis some more grade because of helping Philip Rivers have a phenomenal day." And uh, it was a great play call too. But yeah, no, fantastic to to see Thomas Davis go out there and perform well. He leads the team in tackles this year. I mean, sometimes that's not completely indicative of of his overall play, but I think the last few weeks he's been pretty good. Philip Rivers, the bounce back game, like you mentioned, really positive to see that from Philip, and he is also nominated to be potentially the FedEx Air and Ground Player of the week as well. So a good, another good birthday present for the 38-year-old gunslinger, Philip Rivers. And Rivers has won his fair share of those over the years, but I think on his birthday, he would like to win another one, and he deserves it because not just having a great game where you led the team to a 45-10 to victory and you didn't have to play the entire fourth quarter, but just to see that he still has it in him to make those throws, especially the deep balls, had a few really pretty ones on Sunday. So a really good sign for Phillip Rivers going forward. But the other news of the day is that Michael Davis, the starting cornerback, 
is back from his two-game suspension and should now take back over the role of the starting cornerback across from Casey Hayward. So David, really the biggest story out of this, I think, is that we didn't really have to talk about Brandon Faison very much. He played pretty well, and one thing that Brandon Faison did particularly better than Michael Davis was tackling, and you saw him make some big open field tackles, and he was a very sure tackler, which is something that you can't always say about Michael Davis, but Michael Davis has been better in coverage, so for the Chargers for their final three games where you really don't know what the future is at cornerback, it will be good to see if Michael Davis can go out there and really impress and see if the Chargers should think about him as more of a long-term answer. Yeah, no, I mean, they must have been pretty comfortable with Michael Davis and Brandon Faison because they also waived cornerback Tavon Campbell uh, upon Michael Davis's return from his suspension. And, you know, it'll be good to have Michael Davis back, but I think, you know, there's going to be a, a competition in these last three games, and they're going to go up against some really good wide receivers to to see what they're going to look like. Anytime you play cornerback opposite of Casey Hayward, that individual is going to get picked on a lot, and so we're going to be able to see what both of these guys are, are going to be able to do. I hope that we see more of a rotation and the Chargers are more in evaluation mode because I like the progress that Brandon Faison has showed, and Michael Davis needs to show that he can tackle just as good as he can cover. We'll see what these last three games have to offer for cornerbacks Michael Davis and Brandon Faison. Yeah, and one thing that you would like to see out of both of those guys is the ball skills and be able to create some turnovers at that position. I mean, that side of the field is getting targeted a lot this year opposite of Casey Hayward. And Michael Davis just came down with his first interception this season, but he's had opportunities for about 10 of them in his short career. And Brandon Faison didn't really show the ability to be able to break on a ball and go make a big play for the defense. But like we said, his tackling was much better, which helps out the defense a ton. But for both of those guys, you would like to see maybe one of them step in front of a route really break and read a route correctly and make a big play for this defense, a defense that has been really lacking turnovers, even though it has been very solid. I mean, both of these guys are a big part of why the Chargers are fourth in the NFL in passing yards allowed. This has been a really good secondary for the Chargers. They've had some noticeable lapses, but both of these guys are competing for what their spot might be next season. But we do have two more segments to get into, getting into our crossover Wednesday. This time it's the Vikings edition with Locked On Vikings. So excited to get into that coming up right after this. But another thing I'm always excited to talk about is my friends over at BlueChew.com. This episode is sponsored by BlueChew. And you guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can get that back with BlueChew. That's BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew ships direct, it's much cheaper than the pharmacy as well, and there's no more awkwardness. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. If you guys go to BlueChew.com, Dot com. You can get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code LOCKDOWN. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping. The product is free. Again, that's a B-L-U-E-Chew.com promo code LOCKDOWN to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Well, another company I would say is probably the better, cheaper, faster place to find a car is at Metro Infinity. 
Locked On Chargers' favorite car dealership. We love Metro Infinity, and you can find them right off the 210 in Monrovia. And you have to check out their brand new multi-million dollar facility to check out the amazing selection of new and used cars. One of my favorite parts about Metro Infinity is that if you don't like going into the dealership, it's no problem at all. They will bring the car and the paperwork to your home or office and complete the whole transaction there. Also, guys, if you go in, make sure you tell them that Locked On Chargers sent you over there and you can get an extra $500 off any car purchase. We've already had a Locked On Chargers fan go in and buy a brand new Infinity. You could be the next one. You could be saving money on your new car. You can reach them at 626-599-7510 or at MetroInfinity.com. And right now, you guys could be leasing a brand new Infinity Q50 3.0 luxury loaded with navigation for only $1,000 down at $325 a month plus tax. And you can also get that $500 off if you tell them that we sent you over there. David, how you doing, man? Hey, doing well, uh, as well as I can be for covering a 5-8 and eight football team. But uh, uh, other than that, doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. So I, I want to start this. Uh, by just like asking you to explain the Chargers to me, because like, here's the thing. They're not uh, as bad as other five win teams out there. Like, I think the Jets are a five win team. The Chargers clearly a, a better team than that. I wouldn't say that they're like a, you know, double digit win juggernaut or anything, but somewhere the truth lies in the middle. So my first question is how many wins like should the Chargers have? Like, what would be a win-loss record that makes sense for how good this team actually is? Because it's really hard to get a sense of that just from looking at the surface. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you flip the win-losses around uh, to where it's, you know, 8-5 and five and not 5-8, and eight, I think that's probably a little bit more indicative of the talent that's on this Chargers football team. And I think if you look on the defensive side, you look at some pieces that every single team would love to have. You got two bookend ed- edge rushers in Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. You got an all-pro safety in Derwin James. You have a lockdown corner in Casey Hayward. I mean, just lots of talent. You flip it over the offensive side, and oh, wait, there's a bunch of weapons there too i mean you got keenan allen one of the best route runners in the nfl mevin gordon austin eckler who has just been an absolute dynamo this year hunter henry a young tight end i mean talent up and down this roster but unfortunately the the chargers just have shot themselves in the foot so many times this year and you know that's why they sit here at five and eight yeah so like close losses aside right like we can still assess the chargers as, as a team with, you know, strengths and weaknesses and stuff. So starting on like the offensive side of the ball uh, and the, the coaching staff and stuff, I don't know a lot about how the Chargers like to operate. What, what kind of scheme do they run? What sorts? I mean, are they an aggressive offense? Are they a more West Coasty offense? Uh, what is Philip Rivers capable of at this particular part of his career? You know, what kind of plan should we expect to see on Sunday afternoon? So I think you're going to see a lot of the running backs get a lot of action in this one. I mean, both of their running backs have been very productive, at least Melvin Gordon after the first four games. It kind of it looked like, you know, him being out and holding out for the period of time that he did it you know, took some time for him to get his body and his mind back into football shape. And after that started to happen, after I'd say game four, he started to run like Melvin Gordon. And then Austin Eckler has just been, like I said before, has been dynamic all season long. He, I think he has over 75 receptions as a running back. He's getting close to a thousand yards receiving over 10 total touchdowns on the year. He's just been incredible. He's just a weapon that you're absolutely going to have to look for. They, they like to get him mismatched on linebackers. They like to get keen and Allen to move the chains um you know this offense is a a bit of a you know a 
an anomaly. You just don't know what you're going to get, really, because they haven't really been consistent. I mean, they have the ability to go up-tempo and cruise right down the football field, but it just seems like they kind of don't know what they're trying to do on a week-to-week basis. Now, that's kind of changed a little bit since they changed coordinators. So now it's Shane Steichen calling plays, and there's been a commitment back to running the football. So I think what's going to happen going forward and what's happened in the last few games is them trying to establish the run and trying to have Phillip Rivers protect the football and play off of the run game. So uh, they still like to take their shots. They do like to take their shots, but they want to see if they, they can set those up with good running plays. Although... They have been very good with the run. Sometimes they abandon it a little too early, and that tends to hurt them in in the end. But, yeah, that's kind of going to be the game plan for the Chargers offense. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the run game. And and I really want to focus on uh, the offensive line. Part of it is because the Chargers boast a couple of Vikings fandom draft darlings. We all really wanted Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp. uh, And and I believe, is, is Russell Okung still there? Yes, he is. He is the starting left tackle for the Chargers. Yeah, so that's three people that I know Vikings fans have all clamored for. They all ended up uh, on the Chargers. So, and of course, you know, the Vikings have been getting all pro seasons from both Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, Mm -hmm. but they've had some struggle rushing the interior. So how does the Chargers offensive line match up with that? A lot of challenge on the edge, not so much on the interior. Yeah, so I mean, Russell Okung obviously is an all-pro left tackle. I mean, he can handle his own one-on-one on the outside. Sam Tevy, the right tackle, you know, eh, you don't know what you're really going to get out of him. I mean, he's kind of he's just really inconsistent, and he's just you know he he I think he he can definitely be beat. Their center is actually uh, pretty good. I mean, after um, the veteran Mike Pouncey went down with a season-ending neck injury, Scott Questenberry a fifth round pick from years past oh, took I over him so bad Yo, I yeah. get every guy I wanted <laughs> he took over as the center and he's actually played extremely well so far which m- might mean you know that Mike Pouncey might be looking for another team to play with although he did sign in an extension here this year but the as far as the guard play is concerned Dan Dan Feeney's up and down I mean when he's good he's really good He's uh, but and Michael Schofield, the the right guard's actually quietly has had a, a very good year. I mean, he's just one of those professional linemen that goes about his business, gets his job done, doesn't do anything flashy. But you know, you don't hear his name called. And you know, with an offensive lineman, if you're not hearing their name called, most of the time they're doing their job and they're not causing or costing their team and penalties. He's actually just done a very good job. So uh, in the interior, I mean, I'm okay. Uh, I think that they're, you know, I'm a little bit more comfortable with the the right tackle situation. That's kind of where I would see the Vikings look to exploit. That's really the big weakness on this offensive line. So going to the other side of, of the trenches, you kind of already talked about like Derwin James and, the, and that back end is, is pretty uh, loaded with talent, but on the front seven, describe it to me. I think the chargers still run a three, four, uh, correct me on that. If I'm wrong. Yeah, um, they run but, a four, three now actually. Oh, they do run a four, three more. Okay. Yes. But there's still like Joey Bosa and uh, like Melvin Ingram and guys that, so the, the Vikings run like this very wide zone oriented scheme with a lot of rollouts and stuff. And what it means is that the edge rushers end up doing a lot of pursuing and they end up needing to kind of knife up the field and, and cut off the edge of the field. So like in that specific job of like setting the edge, being the force player or pursuing up field on like a rollout, how do the Chargers stack up? I know Joey Bosa is like this huge force to be reckoned with, but what about that like discipline? Yeah, no, I mean, the the 
amazing thing about Joey Bosa is not only is he an incredible pass rusher, but he he's relentless in the run in in the run game as well. I mean, he he really holds strong at the point of attack. Does a good job of holding the edges, and Melvin Ingram does a lot of that dirty work too. I mean, he's just a big physical defensive end that really is not afraid to get in there and and try to wreck plays. Uh, that are going to the outside. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the the Chargers linebackers play against all those roll the, those rollouts. They haven't seen a lot of that this year, so it'll be interesting to see if they can stay disciplined. I, I'm a lot more comfortable with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram getting their job done than the linebackers. All right, so we will uh, keep talking about the bad luck bowl here in just a second. We'll flip things around, and uh, I will tell all the Chargers fans about what's going on in Minnesota in just one minute. All right, so now we're flipping things back over. Going to talk a little bit of Vikings football. I mean, obviously, they've had a much more successful season than the Chargers have thus far. But with that being said, do Vikings fans kind of feel like this is a potential trap game? I don't know about trap game. Uh, I I don't think that Vikings fans are going to look past anybody anymore uh, ever since the Broncos game. Uh, you know, they, they fell behind 20 to zero to a team starting uh, Brandon Allen and like it was a three win team. And I think not only that, but the Chargers, you know, coming off of a big dominant win over a lesser team are kind of showing, you know, and, and like you said, before we started recording eight, one score losses. Like, I don't think that you have to look very hard to realize that the Chargers are, you know, better than than five and eight and mathematically eliminated. Plus, never count out Philip Rivers in December, even in a meaningless game. Um, so I and I think, you know, Vikings fans are always a little intrepid. They're, they're scared. They're always constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I don't think anybody's taking this one for granted. And kind of in that same vein, how do you think the game getting flexed out of prime time has kind of, you know, affected the, the team or the, you know, the, the fans being that, you know, you guys are in the playoff hunt? Yeah, I I don't think I mean, some people were like a little bit like took it personally, like, oh, why doesn't national media respect the Vikings? But it was because, you know, the Vikings are a sixth seed playing a team that ended up being mathematically eliminated. And I believe it happened like right after the Chargers lost to the to the Broncos. And it was like very clearly that wasn't going to be a competitive game. And if you look at the game that got flexed in, you know, Bill Steelers, it's basically for a playoff spot. So personally, I get it. Maybe some people took it a little bit personally. I think on the team angle, though, it's interesting because they are very acutely aware of all of the Kirk Cousins primetime narratives, how Kirk <laughs> Cousins can't win in primetime, although he's been decent at it uh, this year. I think he's two and one in primetime um, and, you know, getting flexed out of that. However, Kirk Cousins in afternoon games, his record isn't that much better. But on the West Coast for the Vikings, it's uh, going to feel like, you know, they're playing at or well, yeah, it's going to be what, like one fifteen. That's pretty close. So if they can get their body adjusted to West Coast time, it's going to feel pretty much like that normal noon kickoff that that they're used to. I don't know how much stock I put into like any of that, though. Like, I don't know, go win the game against the team in front of you. All the time of day stuff, I think, is is just people looking for patterns where it's probably just randomness. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. You know, um, also, you know, you guys have had a healthy Dalvin Cook for most of this year. I mean, Pretty which much. has been a kind of opposed to, you know, years past. How kind of important has him being healthy all year been to your guys' offense? Yeah, so he uh, creates in a way that, like, not many other running backs can. Now, the, the Vikings have a good backup right now uh, in Alexander Madison. He's a third-round rookie. He's had, actually, uh, to be on a little bit more of of notice lately because Dalvin Cook is dealing with a sprained SC joint. So uh, he suffered that a couple of games ago. It's a pain management issue. So if he gets hit in the right spot, 
Uh, then he kind of has to take some time off, but it doesn't actually affect his ability to play. So he's been playing through it. He's probably going to play through it all year and then maybe get surgery on it. But uh, so so they've had him basically on a pitch count and there's been a, more of a need for Alexander Madison, who's a much more classic one cut and go thump somebody kind of back. Uh, and he's very good at that. Uh, but Dalvin Cook is this just god at, at forcing missed tackles. He's unbelievably elusive. And that has created in places where, uh, you know, otherwise there would not have been. And if you want examples of that, watch him in the Dallas game, if you caught that on Sunday Night Football, and watch him in the first game against Detroit at Ford Field, where he just, like, evaporated physics and just, like, found ways to get yards where he really had no business getting yards. And that's really where, like, the the production of a running back comes, right? You know, get through the hole that the offensive line came, and then whenever you get after that, that's your your production and Dalvin cook. I, I don't know if there's a guy in the league that does it better right now, uh, but he isn't at a hundred percent. So that might kind of affect the way that the Vikings use him and the way that the Vikings call plays. Yeah. So let's flip over the defensive side real quick. You know, do you think that your defense is kind of underachieved considering all the, the talent that's on that team? I mean, and also is there a main weakness that you think the on the defense and what would that be? Yeah, so the thing you got to know about the Vikings defense, right? Yes, they have underachieved. They've, they've played below their mean is the way that I like to put it. Um, and and a big part of that is Xavier Rhodes, who was like a lockdown corner, very well regarded, Pro Bowl, all that stuff. Um, and he has had a pretty rough year. And especially the last few games, he's a really, really rough stretch. Uh, and he's, I've talked a ton about it on my show. Uh, it's kind of the story of the hour here, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He's very deep in his own head right now. And I think he's kind of tilted. And so he's thinking really hard. He's biting on everything. Uh, he's turning his hips too early, too late. He just, his timing, his instincts are completely off. He's not attacking the ball very well. He's losing contested catches. It's been a really, really rough stretch for him. Um, the other thing is Linval Joseph, the nose tackle, who is an all-world nose tackle. Um, Definitely. But he was playing hurt. He had actually to get meniscus surgery, and that's supposed to be a six-week injury. He came back from it in three, had kind wow. of a rough game against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, looked a little bit healthier last week. So hopefully that uh, that clog up the middle should be there and kind of forcing all those double teams, giving one-on-ones on the outside with Griffin and Hunter, like I talked about earlier. Um, but that still doesn't help the, the issue with Xavier Rhodes. Now, what Mike Zimmer did in the last game, he rotated Xavier Rhodes with Trey Waynes, and Mike Hughes and uh, even a little bit of Holton Hill got in there, although uh, Rhodes went out with an injury, which is something that happens a lot. He just gets dinged up and has to miss a drive sometimes. Um, but they that rotation appeared to be very effective and it kind of keeps him cool, I think. I think he gets a little hot headed and it kind of uh, kept the defense from getting out of their rhythm a little bit. And so I, I, we're all actually very curious to see if Mike Zimmer does that again in this game or if that was just a thing for Detroit because they've had specific issues with Marvin Jones in the past or if that's something that they're actually trying because of how poorly Xavier Rhodes has been playing. So, I mean, to kind of spin off of that and go towards something more positive on the defensive side. You mentioned uh, Hunter and Griffin. You know, these guys got over 20 sacks this year. How do you think yeah. they're looking forward to this matchup? Yeah, they, I mean, they are playing out of their skulls. Uh, Daniel Hunter had three sacks, although that might be a little misleading. David Blau kind of ran into a couple of them. 
Um, <laughs> Everson Griffin, obviously coming off of a down year in 2018, he had an off field issue, a mental health crisis that, uh, he had to work through. So he missed a bunch of time, came back, wasn't really himself. He's totally himself again. He's the exact same guy that I think last time the Vikings played the chargers, he got like three sacks. Uh, and there was this yeah, famous him telling the chargers <laughs> left tackle exactly how he was going to beat him. And then like doing that for a sack, um, and I think he's that same guy now. So that's obviously going to be like where a lot of uh, a lot of the production comes. And so, you know, that shortens the the playbook a little bit. It, it takes it dissuades you from from taking those deep shots. Um, and and it, you know, obviously can generate pressure whenever it can. The thing is, without interior push and hopefully Linval Joseph being healthy helps with this. But without that interior push, uh, you know, it's really easy for veteran quarterbacks that know to do this to just kind of step up in the pocket and the edge rushers go flying by harmlessly, even when they get around the corner at a, at a reasonable bend. Um, so you kind of have to, like, not give them that space to to step back up. That said, those guys will get theirs even against good tackles. They've they've been smoking people all year. Yeah. Now, so kind of just want to get your opinion on this. You know, I talked a little bit about Austin Ackler. How do you think your defense and your linebackers and safeties are going to game plan to try to stop him? Yeah. So for guys like Eckler who have been like a big problem for the Vikings, Derek Cohen's been a thorn in our side. Uh, Miles Sanders had a pretty big game against the Vikings this year. And so a big part of defending it is Eric Kendricks, who's going to be in coverage on these guys a lot. He's one of the only uh, linebackers I've ever seen actually cover a wheel down the sideline and like break up the pass that that running back wheel is like one of my favorite routes in the playbook especially with like a post in front of it post wheel is my favorite route concept and eric kendrick is one of the only linebackers i've ever seen that can actually like cover that they also have that famous mike zimmer double alignment where they'll put like six or seven players on the line of scrimmage feigning blitz and then from there he'll have some number of them back off into coverage, which means that there's a lot of distance to cover, but Kendricks and Barr are athletic enough to do that. So it essentially is just a really nice way of being in a normal coverage, but it also screwed up your protection calls because you were worried about seven guys blitzing. Uh, So that's kind of how that works. And what Anthony Barr specifically has always been very good at is going from the A-gap and scraping all the way across to cover a flat route and then tackling a swing pass that you you threw too hot because you thought it was going to be a blitz. You throw that swing pass and he's right there to tackle you at the line of scrimmage. That's something he's been able to do for his entire career. And that's kind of how that works against running backs like that. But yeah, no, they'll give up angle routes sometimes. Uh, sometimes they'll, you know, take a bad angle, they'll miss the tackle. And, and so I, I don't know if you're in your fantasy playoffs, Eckler's not a bad start. <laughs> All righty. So, you know, we've been heard hearing whispers that Adam Thielen might be ready to go, uh, to play in this game. How important is it to have a Adam or excuse me, to have a healthy Adam Thielen in this game? Yeah, I mean, he's huge, right? Like he's a really good receiver and putting him on one side of the formation and digs on the other means like you can't bracket both of them. Uh, however, the depth behind him, uh, Ola B.C. Johnson, seventh round rookie, and of course, Laquan Treadwell, reclamation project, um, have actually been playing reasonably down these last couple of games and they've kind of been stepping up in his absence. Um, I don't know what the deal is with Adam Thielen. He's been, you know, this is the last game for like three weeks now. So we'll see if he actually ends up going. 
but yeah, the, the wide receiver core, I think with Thielen and Diggs, you can definitely do a lot more stuff. You can uh, like engage in some concepts that that really stress corners and safeties. You know, you can move them around. It's a lot easier to get like Diggs matched up with a linebacker, Thielen matched up with a safety and get those mismatches. Then, you know, it's it's like if you get Laquan Treadwell on a safety, that's not necessarily as exciting uh, of, a, of a mismatch to go try and set up. So it's a little more difficult when you only have one guy you're trying to set up. But, you know, the depth has been OK. But of course, we want Thielen back. Definitely. I mean, he's been one of the best receivers in the NFL for a couple of seasons now. I like to kind of finish things with this on the crossovers. What do you think is going to end up deciding this football game on Sunday? Well, it has to be something supremely unlucky because this is the bad luck bowl, right? So, So I think win or lose... Somebody's missing a game-winning kick. I can feel it in the stars. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it has to be right. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could be. I mean, we know the Chargers have found new and interesting ways to lose football games this year, so that is definitely a distinct possibility. Um, in, in reality, I think uh, some of the matchups. Joey Bosa will probably be going up against Brian O'Neill a lot. Uh, Second-year tackle out of Pitt. That's probably a huge one. I think Xavier Rhodes' ability to hang with guys like Mike Williams uh, and Keenan Allen, that's a huge one. Um, And then I think it's just a matter of both teams are dealing with a couple of key injuries on either side of the ball and, and, you know, which backups kind of step up. I think that usually has a really big impact on the game. Yeah, so, I mean, regardless of where these two teams are, respectively, in their seasons, I still think this is going to be a compelling matchup, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds on Sunday. Luke, Luke, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. All right, guys. Well, a special thank you, as always, to Locked On Vikings. We don't get to do this show very often. I mean, every four years, to be precise, if we're not talking about the preseason, so... Really cool to get that insight and a really talented, exciting team that the Chargers get to play against this weekend. So definitely thank you for coming on the show today. Until tomorrow, guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockdownLAC and to like the Facebook page, Lockdown Chargers, as well as subscribing wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Lockdown Chargers podcast there. And if you guys want to get your voicemails in by for the Friday show this week, make sure to call on to 323-524-7924. Every Chargers voicemail gets on the show. Thanks for listening to another Crossover Wednesday with Locked On Chargers, guys. Until tomorrow, take it easy and go Bolts.